0: Good morning, everyone. If you'd like to grab your Bibles out, we are reading from Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 through to 32. That's Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. The parable of the lost son. Jesus continued... There was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said... All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Gentlemen!
1: Welcome to another dad battle. Now is anybody, and I mean anybody at all,
0: willing to face our champion?
1: Gentlemen, my son joined the golf team at school, so I bought him an extra pair of socks in case he gets a hole in one. hole (laughs) in one. His dad jokes are so effortless. See that? That's why he's the champ. That's nothing. The other day, my daughter said a good Christian dad would buy her a car. So I said, well, a good Christian kid would walk. Because that's what Jesus did. Fathers! Listen up, son. Just because God picked your nose doesn't mean you should. Oh, <laughs> yes. When you start paying the bills, you can make some of the rules. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's not right. Hold up. Right. Who touched the thermostat? Yeah. Oh, that lawn isn't going to mow itself. Let me stop what I'm doing and fix your boredom. Hi, Hungry. I'm dad. No. <laughs> I love the smell of Home Depot in the morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just wait till your mother gets home. Oh, yeah. oh. uh, <laughs> Pull my finger. you
0: got this? Nah. Just rub some dirt on it. Oh, 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 oh.
1: Proud proud of you
0: You can do hard things.
1: I Love you no matter what When God made you He made something very special proudest day of my life is the day you made me a father! I thank God for you every time I get on
0: my knees and pray. Who? And again. Who gives this woman? No.
1: No. No. No.
0: no, you look at me, you look at me. Who gives this woman to be married to this man? My mother and
1: I do. <laughs> <laughs> but i uh I have to say i uh, i don 't know if you can see that oh, it's probably up. I can put it up on the screen uh, if you go to the next slide this is my this is my mug, so i'm sorry for the rest of you dads um but this is the mug I got best dad ever I got number one dad, so I am technically today the best dad so I'm very sorry for everyone else. I've got my mug and my prize to, to confirm it. The best dad ever, number one dad. So sorry, dads, sorry, kids, if you thought your dad was number one. Um, no, no, that's me today. So I love Father's Day. And why wouldn't you when you're told that you're the best? <laughs> it's pretty cool. I get pampered by my kids in Father's Day. I really do. They, um, they, they, uh, we celebrated yesterday because we we'll go off and see Solari's dad today and we'll, we'll make him feel like the best, even though he's sort of... Not quite, Um, but yesterday I had I had I woke up to Kyra just coming in and just patting my head. Dad, it's time to wake up. It's like oh that was that was lovely. It's like oh it's very nice. And, And she said breakfast is ready. And I go downstairs and she puts me into my seat. She hands me my best dad ever mug and it actually says one rad dad on the back and um and she is full of coffee that Jasper had made for me and i could smell the eggs and the bacon and the the smashed avo just just getting prepared it was fantastic it was a wonderful morning i felt totally totally pampered and they gave me gifts that made me feel like i was i was actually the best dad ever i really did oh, I really know that I'm not the best dad ever. I'm not, not really that. So, so, but it gives me pleasure as a father when they do things for you that goes beyond just the norm, don't they? And, and you know it. You know the difference between when your child's forced to do something for you and when they do something for you just because they love you. And wasn't it good to, and I should say thanks to, uh, to Ben uh, McLaughlin who put that video together. What a great effort. Well done, mate. That was fantastic. So thanks for all the effort for that. Yeah, really good. Because <laughs> you could see, and Abby as well. Abby? Thanks, Abby. It's such a good job. Really great. So, so when they go above and beyond and they say things like that and they make you coffee in the morning, even if the coffee is not quite as good as the coffee that you'd make yourself, uh, <laughs> you know that, that you're loved. You really know it. Because nothing means more to a father than um, when their children do or say something to you out of a depth of love that they have for you. Nothing means more to a father and I'm sure it's for, the, for mothers as well, than when they do something or say something to you out of the depth of love that they have for you. And it got me thinking about how God sees each of us as his children. And the idea that God would be pleased with me because of the words that I use about him or my actions that I display for him. Well, it made me think, I need to make sure that I'm living in a space where my actions and my words reflect the love that I have for my father in heaven. That my character stems out of my love for God. I may not be able to take God a coffee in the morning. I'm sure the better beans are in heaven anyway. Look forward to that. But but how I speak about God, how I do things with God in my everyday life, shows him what I think of him. I was thinking about uh, uh, dads in the Bible, and this certain dad that Solari just um, shared the story of the, the prodigal son. It's a story that Jesus tells in a trilogy of things that are lost. But as I looked at this story from the viewpoint of a dad, I started to wonder how this father must have felt as the story moves further and further on. We have the three children. If you don't know my children, I've got Kyra, who's seven. I've got Tarquin, who's 15, and Jasper in the middle, who's 13. Um, and um, we had Tarquin first, obviously. We had him over in England. And the immense wave of love that came over me when I first held, held, this, little, excuse me, held this, little, uh, this little child, just this immense wave of love. And um, I could not believe how blessed we were. And then when we found out we're having a second one, I sort of panicked, because I thought, how am I going to be able to share my love between these two children? And I was in quite a a state, really, because I thought, this isn't going to work for me. I haven't got enough love to give two of them. But eventually we had Jasper, and I realised the capacity to love as a father expanded as soon as I held Jasper in my arms. He was a bundle of absolute joy. And then we had a third. We're having a third, and I thought the same thing. I'm in trouble. I've got two, and that was expanded, but surely not three. I think Daniel got three at once. That was, that was a good effort. That capacity to love just continued to grow as God's grace allowed it. And I was overwhelmed by love for my third Child, And if one of my, child, my children decided that they would uh, like to leave home early and, and make a name for themselves, asking to take a share of our savings, I wondered, how would I feel about that? I have a love that, that surpassed the gruesome twosomes, that got through the threatening threes. We've seen them, or two of them, walk through the tweenage years, and one of them is in the throes of being a a teenager, a wonderful teenager that has teenager things of its own to deal with. But no matter how rocky the road might be, there's still this immense love that I have for all of my children. There's a joy that I get as I drive into the schoolyard and see them waiting there and jump up, as Kyra does, when she sees our car. Their faces beaming when I walk through the house and they're sitting at home. I love it, absolutely love it. And I'm sure the father of the prodigal son had that same love for his two boys. There's nothing in the scripture to suggest any different. But I wonder what he was feeling when his son came to him and says, I'm leaving and I want you to give me all that I would get when you would die. The statement in scripture says, give me my share of the estate In essence, the son is saying, I'm taking my inheritance and I'm leaving with it. You only get to do that once, don't you? You only get to do that once. You don't have a second chance of getting a share of the estate. So in essence, the son is saying, I'm going to take all of that and I'm going to start my own life. I'm going to start afresh. How do you think the dad felt? I'm sure it was like a real kick in the guts for him. How do you think he felt? I'm sure there were so many emotions running through, perhaps anger, bitterness, pain. Maybe he asked the questions, what could I have done differently? Was there anything I could have done differently? I wonder how it impacted the relationship with the son that stayed, who took on the family business. Unfortunately, as we read the passage, you probably, you probably get more questions than you do answers. Have we started to, What we do start to see are some qualities of fatherhood from how the, the dad responds. And I want to go through three of them now. There's probably more, but I'm going to go through three of them now. If you're a father, I wonder if these are qualities or characteristics that you've been striving for. The first one is it's a loving father. I find I find watching someone make mistakes difficult. I really do. You might be the same. I find watching someone make mistakes difficult. Now, has anyone ever seen that show on Netflix, Man vs. B? Has anyone watched that? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty funny. But difficult to watch, really difficult to watch. If you want uh, a, an hour and a half of ten-minute episodes where you just pull your hair out, frustrated because someone's doing the, the wrong thing again and again and again, put that on. That'll 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 challenge you for, for an hour and a half, episode after episode. We just sit there cringing because of the poor decisions that he'd be making. So much so, the kids just wanted us to stop watching it. It really did. It's hard to watch people making wrong decisions. You just want to yell out, stop, don't do it. Don't use a flamethrower in a house to try and get rid of a bee. Rowan Atkinson, (laughs) worth watching. (laughs) But I reckon the father in this story may be thinking the same. When his son comes to him and asks for the inheritance, his share of the money, which by law he was entitled to, Perhaps he wanted to scream out to his son, don't do it. I can see the road ahead. You're making a rash and very wrong decision. And it's going to affect the rest of your life. Yet that father allowed his son to make the decision, didn't he? He didn't withhold it from his son. As much as the decision may have hurt him, he let it happen. You know, that's the action of a loving father who will allow the freedom for his son, his child, to make mistakes. It doesn't make it easy, but the actions of that loving father releasing his son, in the end, gave him the freedom for the son to come back. I wonder if we've thought of it that way. If we rewrite the script of the story where the father withholds the finances from the son. And you can just imagine the fight that might have occurred. The, the bitterness that may have run. And the son runs away anyway. And when he gets into strife, he's got no money. He's got nothing. And then he still doesn't feel like he can come home. See, a loving father releases the child to make mistakes. But he's always there to pick them up when they come back home. And his son comes home. There's no judgment, is there? There's no sense of holding him to the finance that he's squandered. There would have been a consequence. There's no longer inheritance for him. That, that's going to be an issue later in life. But there's no judgment. There was an embrace, a loving embrace of a son who was lost, but now is found. That was a father who learned to love regardless of what the son had done. He learned unconditional love. So dads out there, I wonder how you would respond Would your arms remain open? For anyone else, have you felt that love before? Have you felt the loving embrace of a heavenly Father who, regardless of however many times you turn your back on Him, He still accepts you again and again and again? That's the ultimate love of God our Father. The second thing that we will see uh, the father being is this, this is a, a patient father. Now, this father shows immense amounts of patience, he really does. Day after day, he waits for the return of his son. And the son must have been going for some time, gone for some time, as, as he, he's taken a fair bit of, of the finances to squander. He would have gone for a while, yet, day after day, As the other son went out to work, as uh, he tilled the land, as he kept the the things going, he still held on to the hope that his son would return. He never set off himself, he just waited. It can be hard to wait as a parent or as a dad, can't it? We dads think that we can fix everything in no time. We can fix everything that, that comes forward. And I try and fix things and it doesn't quite work. Because that's not hopefully my handyman skill (laughs) set. It's rather than waiting for a plumber to come and fix the leaky tap, we go and try and do it ourselves and find that we're going to get the plumber anyway. (laughs) Well, I do, that's me. But the prodigal's dad waited and waited, he was patient. See, patience is one of the first things that seems to go when something goes a little different to what you'd hoped, isn't it? Patience seems to be the first things to go. When the kids are not getting in the car, when you're already late, and they still won't get in the car, and they still won't get in the car, and you don't know what they're doing in the house, patience is hard. When the contractor is taking forever to get back to you with a quote, patience starts to wear thin. I wonder if we can draw some encouragement from the father in this story a father who probably had the right to be impatient, a father who could probably uh, feel that he was poorly treated, a father whose patience may have worn thin. Yet, as we look at God the Father, we here in 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, Sorry, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. That's an important not. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, the dictionary defines patience as the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. That's tough. When things don't come in the right timing or things happen in a way that you don't want them to or expect them to. This is where patience comes into it. Tolerating delays. There's nothing worse, is there? Tolerating that Suffering without annoyance. Yet 2 Peter actually tells us that God is patient with you. We can trust God in his promises in God's time, not in our own. And that's a tough lesson for us to learn. But when we ask God... And we don't get the answer that we want in the timing we want. How do we respond to God? How do we accept delay when when we hear God keeps his promises, but I'm not seeing it? God calls us to be patient and to trust in the loving God. The third thing about this father is we find that the father in the prodigal son story is compassionate. He's a compassionate father. He he demonstrates compassion in a few very significant ways. And in doing so, he, he reminds us of the deep compassion of God, the Father. Firstly, we hear the Father, when he sees his son, running towards him to embrace him. And you think, that's lovely. That's a lovely thing to do. He didn't wait for the son to come all the way home. He didn't wait there at the door with arms like this, with a grumpy face or anything. He, he, he runs to him and he embraces him. He shows a genuine affection for him. Now, it's important to note on a cultural level in the Middle Eastern culture, running as, as a man in, in the society would have been considered shameful. For a man sort of to, to hitch up uh, his robes and run down the street might have been like running down the main street of Croydon in, in your underpants or something like that. It, it, people will be looking at you going, what is he doing? You can't do that. Sitting there with their coffee going, oh no. That would have been what it would have been like. But what's even more humiliating for the father is that he's running towards the one that caused him pain and he could just imagine the little whispers of the people in the community going, why would he do that? He's a soft dad. He should be hard. This guy caused him pain, caused a family shame, yet he ran towards him and he embraced him. The community would have said, Heap the shame on him. Make him do his dues. He's ruined the family name. He's shamed the father, yet the father embraces his son. It's totally counter and you know, I'm sure he would have taken on the shame of the community on his own shoulders. That was the father's heart, and that is our Heavenly Father's heart. We see it in Jesus. He was publicly shamed for something he never did, but we did. It wasn't him who deserved the public trial and the beating. It wasn't him who should have been thrown naked onto a cross, beaten and bloodied. It was the shame that we deserved that was put on him. What a beautiful picture of salvation. The Father running towards the Son who didn't deserve the embrace. God running towards sinful humanity with his arms outstretched, bloodied on a cross. If we're to be dads, says dads, who become more like the character of God, we must have the compassion to take on the shame of another. That's a tough thing to do. I wonder, dads, how you go with that. The father's compassion continues in that he never seems to seek an apology from the son even, or an explanation for the wayward living. There is complete and immediate forgiveness. So much so that he puts a ring on the son's finger, an action that shows you're immediately restored into the family. I can understand the brother's problems with that. I can understand why the brother has an issue with that. That's really tough. I've been here. That's really tough. The father's compassion goes further. He orders a feast, a grand celebration. The son who was lost is now found. How often does God continue to pile the blessings onto each one of us? again and again, no matter how many times we turn our back on him, God's compassion continues to to be heaped upon us and we are the blessed recipients. We see in this story a loving father, a patient father, a compassionate father, and we see in our Lord the same things. We've only taken a short exploration of the character of the Father. There's more that we could see. We've seen a reflection of God's divine love for us, though. The compassion that God has for each of us. Whether it's the father in the parable of the prodigal son, or the countless examples of fatherly attributes that you can see through Scripture, we're reminded of the profound truths that we hear. God does love each and every one of us, totally unconditionally. Maybe we don't squander the family fortunes, but we do enough in our lives that we shouldn't, uh, to to warrant that we we don't be continued to be loved by our Heavenly Father. We walk away from Him again and again, yet He continues to love again and again. We find that God is a patient God. God is slow to anger, and I thank God for that. (laughs) He waits for us, He waits for us. The free will that He's afforded us gives us the ability to walk a different path. But we know that He never changes. And when we come back, He will be there. He will come running to you. He will throw His arms around you again and again and again. And we know that God is a compassionate God. Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9, reminds us that the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger. And he's rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made, and that includes you. We, hear, we see God's compassion in the story of the Father in the prodigal psalm, embracing his son and bringing him back into the fold. So today, as we remember fathers, as we go out from church with the reminder that no matter what we face, we have a heavenly Father that loves us unconditionally, forgives us endlessly, and welcomes us back with open arms. My hope is that this knowledge will bring you peace. It will inspire our actions and guide us on this journey of faith. Just as our kids want to serve dads on this very special day, because they love us, may we seek to please our Father in heaven through our actions today as well. Let me pray. Our Lord and God, we thank you for stories in Scripture that help us to understand you more. And God, this morning as we've listened to the story of the prodigal son, we thank you for that father and the characteristics we can see in him that help us to understand you more. May we as dads grow in your likeness May we as people grow in your likeness also. We give you thanks and we give you praise that you are gracious, that you are compassionate, that you are bound in love in such a way that we are embraced again and again and again. We thank you, Lord. Amen.